Hello, new community. Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast. Happy Sunday or happy Monday. I don't know when you're listening to this, whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, later in the week, wherever you're at right now. Welcome. We are glad you're here. We love you. Uh, We miss you. And I wanted to take a second to just acknowledge that, to acknowledge that we fully realize that these last few months have not been our normal routine. Um, and that we deeply miss being together in the larger community context. And as I've talked to more and more people lately, I think people are starting to get a little bit tired of COVID, to say the least. But at the same time, I also wanted to encourage and say, hey, it is summer and that is great. And um, hopefully that will allow us to be outside a little bit more, maybe go on a walk with somebody else and connect with somebody else. And I just really wanted to encourage us that new community has always been a community that has leaned in to community and leaned in well, even when things are messy or hard or inconvenient or not fun. Um, And so I just wanna say today, take a minute, text somebody you haven't connected with in a while, call somebody on the phone, Marco Polo them, um, FaceTime them, go on a socially distanced walk, Uh, be connected. Don't get used to this, this is not the normal way of life. Um, And I just wanted to say, I hope that we continue to lean in well to community and living life with one another and being creative in the ways that we do that as a community, because that is who we are. So um, we love you guys. And we hope that you can spend some time listening to this podcast and create a space to reflect and be challenged and to grow and to practice the presence of God. We love you. God, we are hungry for worship that directs our whole self toward you, not just our minds, ears, or eyes. You said, this is my body for you as you broke bread, passing nourishment from you to me. I long to say the same, Jesus, that this is my body serving for you, loving for you, running toward you. Help us to rest at home in the bodies you knit together in our mother's womb. Give us a deeper awareness of your presence as we learn to be present with ourselves and with others. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Psalms chapter 139 verses 1 through 16. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Shoal, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inner word parts. 
You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Hey Newcom, this is Brittany. Join me in reflecting on these words from Andy Colbert. So many of us were taught to fear, abhor, or disconnect from our bodies. As a result, we may mistreat or neglect them. Yet ultimately, we must learn to live in our bodies if we are to pursue wholeness and integrated lives in which we are connected to ourselves, others, and God. We must begin to listen to what our bodies are telling us about what has been done to them and what we are doing to ourselves. We must continue our journeys of living in our bodies, being both gentle with and attentive to them. Why does this matter? Because learning to embrace our entire selves is not just a spiritual or mental endeavor, it is also an incarnational one. We must come home to ourselves. What were you taught about your own body growing up? What conversations were had or not had about bodies in your family? What did you learn from your friends? If you went to church as a child, what were you taught about your body there? Andy Colbert refers to living in our bodies as not only spiritual and mental, but incarnational. What does this idea mean to you? We must come home to ourselves. Take a few moments to reflect on this statement. What thoughts or emotions come up for you?
Good morning, new community. So glad that you are here joining us on this week's podcast. We are continuing in the series, Practicing the Presence of God. And uh, this has been a fun series. We've gotten a ton of feedback uh, from people that have been challenged and encouraged and wrestling with what it really means to practice the presence of God, especially in the unique times and circumstances and situations we find ourselves. This week, a little bit different. I have the distinct privilege of being on the podcast with the one, the only, Brooke Levine, who's with us. Brooke, uh, for many of you that know, she is on staff and has been for several years working in the area of communication and over this last year giving a ton of time and attention to curation or putting together services that really uh, seek to drive us toward a relationship with God. And she uh, is joining me this week as we talk about the topic of embodiment. Now, when some of you hear the term embodiment, you might be thinking to yourself, what the heck is that? So what we want to do is take a little time to talk about the fact that our soul is tethered to our body, and that has radical implications for practicing the presence of God. Hey, Newcom. I'm super glad to be here this morning with Russ talking about embodiment. So some of you might have heard the term embodiment in different contexts, and it may be off-putting to you. Or maybe you're wondering why it's being talked about in a church context. So we wanted to unpack that a little bit today and talk about how the body really is a vital part of our faith and our lived experience as Christians. So we wanted to start out with a definition. For the context of this discussion, embodiment is part of the way we express our existence as human beings. To embody something is for it to take on physical form. So embodiment is our physical existence as humans. And theologically speaking, embodiment is understanding that the physical component of our human nature is intimately linked with the non-physical. Um, this is the emotional or spiritual side of ourselves. So it's what we typically would call soul or spirit. So the physical and the spiritual are deeply connected. That's the idea. And you see this very clearly from the biblical writers. There's no permission from them to compartmentalize the concepts of body, mind, and soul. What they've done is continued to speak of those identities of a person as indivisibly integrated. In fact, one of the best illustrations or pictures of that is Jesus. In Luke 2.52, the text says this, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and man. What you see in that one small verse is that there are four ways in which Jesus increased, or in other texts, it's described as grew in four things. He grew in wisdom or cognitive development. He learned and developed as a person. He grew in favor with God. So this idea of spiritual connection and deepening relationship with the Father. He also grew in favor the text says, with man or social interaction. So he learned what it was like to socially relate to other children, then ultimately what it was like to be in a social context with adults. And then lastly, it says that he grew in stature or the physical components of who he was um, as he dwelled among us as a man. So the experience that we're kind of speaking into this morning is that we tend to know 
or think about our mind or our heart or emotions or our spirit, but often we separate that idea, that spiritual side of us, so to speak, from our body. George MacDonald, who was one of the contemporaries with C.S. Lewis, made this statement, never tell a child you have a soul, teach him you are a soul and you have a body. You'll also find this idea in the book of Acts. This is another place in the scriptures where we see um, faith being embodied through the giving of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, people begin speaking, literally just speaking in response to being filled with the Spirit. To be embodied is just to acknowledge that your body is the physical dwelling place for your soul and the Holy Spirit within us. Wendell Berry says it this way, The breath of God is only one of the divine gifts that make us living souls. The other is the dust. That's why it's impossible for us to talk about spiritual life separate from the dust or the body in which we dwell. So now that we've defined embodiment, what we want to do is try to answer a few questions this morning. The first one is this. If embodiment is vital to our spiritual life and ability to fully practice the presence of God, then why doesn't the church or hasn't the church really ever talked about it? And that might be in general, not just specifically new community, but in general, why is the church not talked about it? And I'll give you one particular reason that I think is a strong reason that the church has shied away from it, and it is that we've been taught in many ways the opposite. We've been taught that our body in it resides this sinful nature, this despicable part of ourselves. And so what we're supposed to do is do everything we can to put off the body or to escape from the body. So our bodies in many ways throughout the church history have been seen or talked about as uh, prisons from which to escape rather than sanctuaries in which to dwell. Yeah, I think Christians tend to either be ambivalent toward the body or at worst carry contempt towards it. And this may be because they've had experiences with their body that are really painful, such as um, physical injury or abuse or have experienced trauma. There's resounding evidence that the body carries a lot of this pain. Um, but we often have this perspective that our body is something to keep under control and deal with rather than something made in God's image. And I think this is enforced by culture. In today's world and in today's media, our bodies are both idolized in a way that creates insecurity. It can make us insecure, but we're also bombarded with messages that focus on image and focus on things that must be better about our body or our life. Um, there's always more to do, more to discover, more things that need to happen in order for us to um, be better. And I think this pulls us further away from an integrated body and spirit because it just becomes all about the way things appear rather than what resides within us. I think if we're honest with ourselves, one of the truths might be that many of us are not really comfortable in our own skin. Again, this is, as Brooke just said, because it's enforced by culture. We're taught that we're broken or taught about all the ways in which our body needs to be more whole or needs to improve. And in many ways, this creates within us deep insecurity. We see ourselves as broken and in constant need of improvement. And I think what we have forgot from a religious perspective uh, or a biblical perspective is that we're a Genesis 1 body residing in a Genesis 3 world. And what I mean by that 
is that we were created before we ever got to this space of understanding the way that sin has affected us in our bodies and the world. So we know that we were created in the image of God in Genesis 1. We're created beautiful. He looks on everything and he says it is good. Then he says it's not good for man to be alone. He creates another human to be in community with us. And so we relate to one another. We're comfortable in our bodies. The text says that we're naked and unashamed. There is no sense of our bodies being something to be shameful or insecure about. And then we realize in Genesis 3, we hear this story that begins to speak into the idea that we have strayed from God, that we've begun to live kind of into our own uh, intended outcomes rather than pursuing Him. Mm-hmm. And so in the midst of that, we're very aware of the fact that we do not live in shalom, that there is not peace, that there is this disconnect. Mm -hmm. And yet, lived theology is always embodied theology. So to live in this world is to be embodied. Everything that lives, from the tiniest single-celled microorganism to you and me, finds its physical expression in a form or a body. And that's why it is so important for us to tether these two ideas together because we also know it has to be true because the Word became flesh, meaning that Jesus himself was embodied. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 tells us that for in him, Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. We also understand in John 1 when it talks about this idea that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. It's speaking of Jesus in the earthly form of a man. And even Jesus' resurrected body after His death was a body. Jesus was not some disembodied soul floating, but rather an embodied soul where we're able to be able to touch and see the scars and recognize him as Jesus. And I believe that we don't talk about this aspect of our faith because we're either not taught to be aware of the importance of it, or because in some way we are scared or insecure or not comfortable seeking to escape from our body to better live our faith. So, Russ, we've talked about why we don't talk about it, But where would you say embodiment shows up in our faith? That's a good question. Um, It's going to show up multiple ways, but probably for me, one of the more profound ways that I see embodiment show up is in our faith is really in the practice of worship. So I want you to think, new community, for just a moment about being in a service. I know we haven't done that for a while, so it might be (laughs) difficult for you to imagine it. But imagine that we get the all clear, we can regather, we're in a space together, uh, we're worshiping and, and singing and declaring praise to God. Now picture doing that for a moment, but not having your body available to do that. So picture not opening your mouth, picture not moving, not doing anything bodily, maybe just worshiping God only in your mind. Now, whatever you just imagined, even what you imagined is likely embodied. Because worship is always active, and there's physical involvement and action necessary. Even if you think about the ways that we often worship, it's the raising of hands, it's kneeling, 
It's bowing, it's dancing, it's clapping, it's shouting, it's singing. Worship always requires embodiment. Mm -hmm. And I think another way that that shows up in the church is the sacraments. So even when we take the Lord's Supper or communion or Eucharist or whatever term you want to give to it, it requires our bodies, our hands, our teeth, our tongues. We swallow, we drink, we eat. All of those actions are embodied. Uh, even baptism is another form of a sacrament in which we ourselves get wet. We submit ourselves to sinking beneath the waters and coming back up again. So worship is one of the clearest ways for me that embodiment shows up. Um, Brooke, for you, is there a particular way that you see embodiment in our faith? Yeah, I think uh, similar to what you're saying about worship really is um, the idea of prayer, that prayer is this physical act. But I also think um, with prayer, it's the posture of our body that comes into play. Um, and maybe a good example with this of this would be if you were feeling really anxious or um, stressed out about something. So your shoulders are tense and you're in a hurry, you're running around you are not taking deep breaths, maybe you're not even aware of your breath. Um, you're thinking ahead. You're always thinking ahead of the present moment. And you think, man, I need to sit down and pray about this. So you sit down and you're tense and your arms are crossed. It's pretty hard to be in a space of receiving. You might pray, but what get up from that or end the prayer and really feel the same way. And so I think posture, this idea of like, maybe I need to take a deep breath and slow down for a moment when I'm praying and practice stillness and actually be in a place to receive from God changes the way that we pray. Uh, in addition to prayer and worship, I think another way that faith is embodied uh, is in the act of sanctification. Now, sanctification is a bigger word that you might hear in theological school, but it's really the idea of being formed spiritually. It is this action that we often think of as internal, but I think it's far more than that. Sanctification is really this idea of being made holy as Jesus is holy. And when I think of it, I think of it as an internal thing. Uh, but the truth is that I can only obey God and look more like Jesus in my body. So there's no other location of my obedience or my holiness than in my body. So what I am experiencing in obedience, I have to practice in the ways that I live it out. What is happening in the quote unquote inner parts of my life are lived out through an outward expression of my body. The same is true when the text tells us the idea that the things that are on our hearts and our minds are revealed when we speak them. So all of these things are elements or aspects of what it means to be an embodied uh, individual. And so I think this shows up in our faith, but I think even more so it shows up in our life very regularly in ways that perhaps we don't even think about. So I wanted to share one uh, quick one, and I know Brooke had one that she wanted to share on ways that embodiment shows up uh, in our everyday life. Uh, for me, one of the more profound ways that this is true is the idea of rest. If you think about taking a break if you think about taking a nap, if you uh, consider laying down for bed at night to go to sleep, um, what you are participating in is one of the most vulnerable and most necessary elements of life. 
to be recharged, to get rest, to sleep, is a way of having your body uh, reinvigorated. It's a way of not um, breaking down in many ways. If we go without sleep for a long time or rest for significant periods of time, we do not operate in the same way that we typically do. And I would say this vulnerability is really a moment of complete trust. That every night that I go to bed is an opportunity for me to acknowledge a complete dependence on God that He'll enable me to wake up in the morning. It's a complete dependence on God that whatever I was worried about throughout the middle of the day, that He's able to carry it through the evening. And this is the difference in many ways between me and God, in that I need the rest I'm completely dependent, and he never sleeps nor slumbers and is in no need of anyone. I love the idea of rest being a way that this shows up rest. And I think um, some examples of that, as you were talking, um, people that are sleeping outside that maybe don't have a home or they don't have a safe place to sleep, it can become really difficult to trust, I think, in that space. Or I was even thinking of um, the times I've been stuck in an airport and it's late at night and I don't want to sleep because I I don't feel safe or like I can completely trust. And so picturing this idea of being able to really rest deeply um, is just something that I think we often overlook. Um, one of the one of the ways that I was thinking about this, how it shows up in our life regularly is actually through pain. And pain is one of the less fun parts of having a physical body. And this is something I've experienced in my life um, through chronic pain uh, in my in my own body. But physical pain, um, the research shows that our bodies just hold things for us. And um, it's this tangible reminder that you're human. And oftentimes that frustrates us. Um, and it's not that fun, whether it's trauma that you've experienced that your body's responding to or um, back pain, the regular aches and pains throughout life of our bodies moving. But I think this is an opportunity to acknowledge our humanness. We tend to avoid the pain um, and push it aside. And yet I think it can be this, this beautiful place of now but not yet in our life. This idea that um, we can lean into wholeness and yet still not be totally whole in our own human self, but it's available to us. And I think there's there's just opportunity to really lean into that um, through Jesus and to say, I, I am whole in Jesus. My spirit is whole. And even if my physical body experiences brokenness and um, maybe there's brokenness around me or brokenness, a sense of brokenness in my spirit, deep within me resides a sense of wholeness. And I think this can bring a lot of peace and um, just a lot of calmness in the midst of physical pain and help us lean lean into a different mindset, I think, when you're when you're navigating pain like that. So I think it's just a part of learning to embrace our entire selves, not just spiritual or mental, but it's really an incarnational way of doing things. There's something incarnational, incarnational about learning to live with ourselves imperfectly. And our body is this physical extension and expression of ourselves in the world. And living this way is an embodied practice, really, if, of the presence of God. Brooke, I'm going to go off script, and I'm going to put you on the spot for Ooh, a moment. Oh, boy. Okay. Yep. Um, so those of you that don't know Brooke's background, she grew up on a ranch in Colorado. Um, 
if you can picture a little girl jumping off a horse and tackling a calf and roping it and <laughs> throwing it on the ground, all in the kindest way toward animals, um, of course, of when course. she did a rodeo, then that this is Brooke. Now Brooke then moved here to Spokane, went to Whitworth, and uh, was a college athlete and a runner, and in the midst of that, developed some pain, um, some injuries, and some challenges. So, Brooke, when you think beyond just the answers on a paper or beyond, um, if you just really get to the heart of it, how has physical pain enabled you to, in its highs and lows, experience God? Yeah, man, that's a great question. You are putting me on the spot. I know. <laughs> and you're getting right, I can tell. Yes. Um, yeah, I grew up, I mean, Russ was explaining my background a little bit, and I think uh, I always learned that you work hard and the harder that you work, then that's how you get places. And I think that's that's something my parents instilled in me that I really appreciate. I think it's served me really well. Um, but I think um, the injuries that I experienced in college and the way that they stuck around, um, they've they sort of I just thought, OK, I'll I'll work harder and I'll get through this and then I'll keep running and training really hard and doing what I need to do. And it just didn't work that way. The harder I worked, the worse it got. And the pain stuck around and was consistently there and just became something that I really had no control over. Um, I was completely powerless to and really working hard. Um, I've Now that I've been down the road a while, I mean, it took me years to realize this, but working hard was essentially just making it worse. I was like um, yeah. manifesting this uh, like, I must do these things in order to be better. And it broke me down in a lot of ways. It was not, it wasn't actually very helpful. And so I think in my faith, continually having to bring that back to God and relinquish control of that space and to realize like, it's not about me doing the right things. I kept, I think even subconsciously thinking, well, if I just do X, Y, or Z, then God's going to heal me or this is going to be better. And that just wasn't the case. And there was times when that made me feel despair, but I think um, through working through that and consistently having to return to God with that, I learned God loves me very consistently through that. And um, that's where when I speak about wholeness, that idea of already being whole in the midst of physical pain has mm -hmm. been something really restorative for me where I've been able to tap into that in my own body. And maybe it's just my big toe to for the day that feels like there's a sense of wholeness or it doesn't mm. hurt or whatever. But being able to focus on that and find gratitude for that and just in my spirit find this sense of wholeness allows me to really experience that more in my body too. And it's been a way for me to both manage my own pain and um, to just lean into like a different way of experiencing it that's actually been really helpful mm, so that's good yeah uh you said this to me one time and uh, i didn't forget it you said that um we don't get to the places we want to get by ignoring pain what do you mean by that like because what what i think we tend to do or want to do is to put it into the background go okay i've had a bad back for a long time i'm just going to push it off i'm not going to think about it if i think about it less it'll quote unquote go away, or even if it doesn't go away, then I can try to think about something else. But if we don't get there by ignoring it, what's the alternative? Yeah, I think um, for me, maybe like an illustration of this is to think about a child and the things that a child needs. And I think we often just ask our bodies to do a lot of things and we don't really pay attention to what's what our bodies are asking of us. 
um, or even paying attention to like the way that our bodies carry us throughout the world and the burdens that they carry for us and the, the ways that we're able to serve others with our physical body. And a, a child, if a child's asking for something, you meet that need and you're responding. And I, I think by ignoring our bodies, we don't really learn to respond and those needs don't really go away. And I think it's similar with emotional with emotional burdens, um, and maybe some of you listening have experienced this, if you don't deal with the stuff in your life, it it really doesn't leave. You have to enter into this space and sit in the tension of that space to really, you got to walk through the tunnel. And sometimes that's really hard and it feels dark and can feel like God's not present with you. Um, but I think often on that journey, you find he's very, very deeply present with you. Mm. And I feel uh, I feel the same about physical pain. To just ignore it and push it away almost causes this like festering. There's, it's saying something to you, your body is speaking. Um, and that's maybe a foreign concept, but when you think about our bodies being connected to our soul, then suddenly it's just a way that, you're, that your own being is communicating to you like, hey, I need you to listen. And I think that's also a way that God can communicate to us as well. So by not ignoring it and sitting in that tension, I think there's healing that can come from that. Yeah. When you were talking, one of the uh, Psalms that came to my mind is Psalm 23, right? Where um, he's actually walking with you through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Exactly. What we yeah. want to do is walk around it, yes. bypass it. We like the part where it's he lays us down beside it's still waters. And <laughs> right. happy. We, we love those pieces, but... The actual truth that he is walking with us in the midst of pain, that he sits in those spaces, and that he's he experienced it. He knows pain. Mm-hmm. I mean, we often talk about the cross, but we don't talk about that. In his body, he took on pain. His The wounds that he had, the hurt that he experienced, the excruciating trauma, he knows exactly how you might be feeling emotionally, and physically. And when we're able to sit in that space, I think not only do we understand and recognize the presence of God more fully, but I also think there's a deeper sense of ourself that we find in the midst of it. Absolutely. There is an incredible amount of depth, I think, to be explored uh, when we don't push away the darkness, but we can integrate it into our life um, and just not be afraid of it. So, Newcom, whether you resonate with this idea of feeling like you have to be on the go, go, go all the time and that you can't stop or pause or rest or sleep, that if you push those things off, you'll get more accomplished, that what you're doing in the midst of that is not fully embodying what it means to be in the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And Newcom, if you resonate with emotional pain, physical pain or trauma, and you're just trying to ignore it or push it away rather than to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with God present, with him guiding. I don't think we get into these deeper spaces uh, of what it means to know him and to love him unless we engage. Now that we've chatted for a little bit about the definition, we've talked a little bit about the ways that we see it in our faith and our life, we want to just kind of wrap up by encouraging all of us to be a bit applicational with it. Uh, theology is only a mental exercise and practice unless it's embodied 
which you already know because we just said that, you've got to live it out. And so we want to give you a few ways in which you might be able to live into this idea of embodiment this week. So in the spirit of practicing the presence, since that's the series that we're in, um, we want to invite you to experience God through your senses this week and maybe to um, connect with this idea of embodiment in that way. So maybe just notice the smell of good food or of flowers. Maybe notice the beauty of those flowers. Notice the way that warm water feels over your hands after you've washed them for the 80th time. Or notice how it feels in your body to hug a loved one or to see someone else smile. Just allow your senses to kind of lead you and bring you into the present moment with God. Next one, if, if you're in physical pain, if you're feeling frustrated, um, maybe there's an emotional burden that feels really heavy, um, just I would encourage you to take a moment to sit with that, to not ignore it, um, to allow it to be present with you, uh, whether it's that physical sensation or the feelings that you have, and try to just allow it to be in your presence without attaching judgment or meaning to it. And just notice what comes up for you. Allow a few moments of space for this in your day and just be aware of what God might be speaking to you through this or just how you're honestly feeling in this space. Now, some of these might be easier uh, and some of them might be a little bit more difficult. So if you heard sitting, feeling, experiencing your pain without attaching judgment to it and you're like, man, I have no idea what that means and I don't think I can practice that this week. That's good. You could just email Brooke at brooke at new-community.com <laughs> and she'll help you with it. But yes. if uh, that one seems a little bit out there for you, I'd suggest a couple others. One would be just take a nap. I'll do that one. Yeah. Do uh, a little bit of rest. Um, go to bed early uh, or allow yourself time to get up in the morning but not be rushed. What would it look like to get up and whether it's have a cup of coffee or tea and sit in a space and just kind of begin to take in the day, but not in a way that creates rush or panic or anxiety, but in a way where your body can relax into the day. Another suggestion would be uh, to go for a run, a hike, uh, go out for a bike ride, be active in some way with your body. Um, I know that there are some people that experience God the most when they are sitting in a church service, worshiping, connecting with God, or maybe it's when they're sitting uh, in a chair, reading their Bible, and um, just listening to God. Uh, but for others, connecting with God is best done through physical activity. Maybe it's in nature and going for a hike. Maybe that as you walk along the path, you're seeing the beauty of everything that God has created, and it resonates with you in a deep way, and it, it impacts your very body as you walk. And you, in that moment, experience God better than you do at any other time. For others, the way that they pray is best done when they run. And so think about this week. Is there something you could be actively doing that enables you to listen more clearly or speak more authoritatively with God? This next one kind of circles back towards what we were talking about at the beginning as far as why we don't talk about embodiment. So if you're still feeling stuck in the idea that the body is something to escape rather than it being a space in which the spirit dwells, I would encourage you to spend some time reflecting on that this week. Maybe write about the ways in which you're grateful for your body or the ways in which God would see your body. 
or consider what it means to you to be made in the image of God. You could also reflect on the ways that your body is essential to living out your faith. This might mean bringing someone in need a meal or helping your neighbor with yard work. Just consider the purpose that having a physical body holds in the ways that you serve others. Yeah, even as Brooke is sharing that, my mind uh, races to this idea that Jesus says to uh, us through the book of Matthew that there was a time in which he was in need and we met that need. And he says, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. And if you think about the ways that we're intending to be neighborly toward others, every one of those things I just mentioned requires having a physical body in order to accomplish it. Mm. So you to bring food because he's hungry or drink because he's thirsty shows the need for our bodies to be uh, energized. And the very action of showing up and being present with someone, again, is an embodied thing. So I would encourage you to lean into ways where you can practice using your body to encourage and uh, fulfill the need in someone else's life. Um, the last one that I'll toss out to you would be prayer. Um, many of us pray throughout the day, but I would encourage you to narrow what your prayer request is and maybe just choose one thing. One thing that you want to pray for and that you're going to spend three, four, five minutes praying in different ways for that one thing. But before you start praying, what I want you to do is choose a posture that best represents that request. So if you're praising God, I would suggest standing, raising your hands and speaking loudly toward God. If it's a moment of asking forgiveness. Maybe we get down on our hands and knees. Maybe we lay down on our stomach and fall out before God and then request that he be merciful and loving and gentle with you or with me. Or maybe if it's something that you want to pray for that is active, you are active as you pray for it. So think about praying in a different way this week and engage in that. Our hope uh, for New Community is that we would be present in our bodies this week as God is present with us, that we would find our soul and spirit at rest in our body or at home in our body, and that we would practice the presence of God by engaging in something this week that has us more fully embodied and fully aware. Join me in a benediction this morning, Newcom. Take your prayers with you as you go from here and embody them in your home, your work, your pain, your activity, and your rest. Experience both the suffering and the joy of an embodied life sustained by the provision of God, the healing power of Jesus, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Go forth in the name of our holy God, three in one. Amen.